What is Nick Newport's dog's name? Answer at the end of the episode. The citizens of Pawnee. I'm heard happily, and I just realized I'm not holding my microphone. And I will call my new Italian fast casual eatery the Locale Calzone Zone. You can trust me because I don't care enough about you to lie. Everything I do is the attitude of an award winner because I've won an award. I made my money the old-fashioned way. I got run over by Alexis. Hello and welcome to Citizens of Pawnee, a Parks and Recreation podcast where I discuss anything and everything from character breakdowns to episode rewatches, as well as some other trivia and tidbits about the show. My name is Brian and I'll be your host. This is episode number 86 being recorded Sunday, August 27th, 2023. And today I'm going to be covering season three, episode one, Go Big or Go Home. If you'd like to contact the show, you can email citizensofpawnee at gmail.com. You can also follow and message the show on Instagram at Citizens of Pawnee Podcast as well as my other page at Parks Rec Memes. Just a reminder that this podcast will have full spoilers for the entire series. So guys, we just have to get going right off the bat here. Um, I was inspired, if you remember a couple weeks ago, uh, my, my dear friend Teresa from Germany reached out. She sent a wonderful email that I read on the show where she talked about how I believe it was uh, city council. I hope that's what you uh, you are a part of for your town there. Uh, Teresa, I'm sorry if, if it's the wrong thing, but I, I'm trying to recall. But you inspired me and I did something that I think Leslie Nope would be very proud of this week. I made waffles. So my, uh, my daughter, Natalie and I, we made waffles this morning. They were wonderful. We, uh, we used the waffle maker that I'm pretty sure uh, uh, my, my dear friend Mike's mom got us for our wedding, uh, my wife and I. Yeah, that's a really confusing sentence how I said that. Uh, Mike's mom got us this waffle maker for our wedding about 15 years ago, that being my wife and I's wedding. But anyway, so this waffle, it's a beautiful waffle iron. It's a Krups, hashtag Krups, there it is. Listen to flips and bumps if you want to know what that reference means. But anyway, we opened this bad boy up. This thing is beautiful. I mean, again, it's 15 years old. It's like a relic. But and I always that's the kind of the funniest thing, because we had so many things that we got from our our wedding shower, which, again, was yeah over 15 years ago. So we would use these things and always just like, all right, you're kind of rolling the dice. It's like, am I going to plug this thing in? And the technology is going to be so old on this that I'm going to like short circuit the whole town. <laughs> you know, you're just going to see from outer space like just like a dark spot over my uh my town or at least like my street because you know you could see my street from outer space so anyway i'm getting way off topic here we made the waffles they turned out wonderful however the big problem after making waffles is cleaning the iron like it's it's not that difficult because most of the stuff just kind of peels off because it's like a non-stick pan but if you get any over the sides or whatever there's so many cracks and crevices that are just going to be filled with like waffle or pancake mix so it's kind of gross but um i did tell uh mike that we did it because i texted him showing the picture of these wonderful waffles i made and he's like why did you wait 15 years to open that and i said well i got a teaser for you buddy there is one more thing from our wedding that we did not open yet and i'm going to reveal that right now 
It is a deep fryer. <laughs> and I'm so excited to use this one too. And I don't know why we haven't because like we love just like snacking and stuff. And especially with football coming up, you know what? I think I'm going to bust it out and I will, uh, you know, let everyone know the, the updates on that one, because I know how excited you guys are about me using my waffle maker for the, for the first time. So I'll let you know about the, the deep fryer and, um, yeah, again, got it about 15 years ago. Can't remember who got us that one, but I do remember the waffle maker. You know, I used to do, I want I don't want to say I used to do, but there was a segment when, uh, for my other podcast, horror copia, the one I do with my sister for a little while, I was doing dad rants. I think it was, or like angry dad rants or something like that. So uh, I think I'm going to occasionally bring that over to this show from that one, because there's one thing that was really pissing me off and, and it's been a while. This is a built up one and this is an obvious one, but I just want to explain why now i have to bring this up and it's autocorrect all right i am pissed off at fucking autocorrect because i can type in my phone you know whatever word it was like okay again for instance fuck it's usually going to tell me duck or you know like whatever it's going to try to autocorrect it like no you're not trying to say that word okay why is it then when when i misspell how it doesn't autocorrect it because people that I text the, the, you know, whoever listens to this show, you've probably seen many texts where I say Hugh, like H I W clearly that's not what I'm trying to say, but autocorrect doesn't understand that Hugh is not a real word, but, but duck, you know, like, like fuck. Oh no, no, that's not what he's trying to say, but he's definitely trying to say Hugh. And then also the amount of times people probably get text messages from me where I say the word thus, I'm never saying thus. I never use the word thus. It's this. So yeah, that's that's my rant for this week. Stupid autocorrect. It's like, how do you 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 always have to try to get us on the and then at least on the Androids. I don't know how it is on uh, iPhones, but for the Androids, so many times like when you're trying to put it a, a word in and it keeps autocorrecting, it'll keep doing it. But then there's like a little blue check mark you have to hit to tell them that it's like, yes, this is the word I'm trying to use. However, it doesn't do that when I type in who or thus. <sighs> Stupid autocorrect. Um, speaking of also, also other things to just be angry about, because people love hearing about angry stuff. And they I think they can relate more when it's when it's, you know, angry stuff. But work sucked this week. Some of the air conditioning was out for, <laughs> well, the whole week. And this was... No joke. We had the hottest day, I believe, of the year uh, this past Thursday. It was over. It was like 101 degrees. And that was before the feels like I think the feels like temp was like 119 or something like that. So probably like a quarter of the school I work in was without air conditioning. And that just happens to be where I uh, spend most of my time in the day. So it was very miserable. And it's like you would step outside in 100 degree weather like to get relief. So it, it sucked. So my, my work, uh, my work week was garbage and I was tired every night. And, um, you know what? The last thing, <laughs> the last thing I, I actually want to talk about actually, and this isn't funny. I don't know. I jumped into this with a laugh, but uh, I just wanted to say rest in peace to my man, Bob Barker. He uh, passed away. I think it was last night, or at least that's when I heard about it at the age of 99, Bob Barker, of course, the host of one of my favorite game shows, The Price is Right. And uh, also just, you know, him being in uh, uh, Happy Gilmore, 
it's such an iconic scene and just like such a, it seems like a good dude. Uh, I know he's an animal lover. I'm an animal lover as well. Uh, but yep, you will be missed Bob Barker. So, you know what? I'm not, a, I'm not even going to do a filler segment today because I don't have much. All I was going <laughs> to, there was just a couple things from this week. I'm still watching succession. So, you know what? I'm going to talk about succession. So everything he's saying is nonsense and he's fooling them. Okay, this isn't going to be a long discussion. I'm, uh, I, I've gotten through season two. I am on, I think, episode two of season three. Uh, I've been talking with um, Elf a lot. He put it so perfectly. He's like, you rage watch this show. And that's how I feel it is because I still, there, there was a point when I was on, I think, episode eight of season two where I said, fuck this show. And I actually turned it off and I'm like, I don't care anymore. I'm just going to watch a recap to see what happens because I want to know what, how, how it ends for this family, but I hate them all so much and I can't watch this anymore. So I legitimately did that. But then within like 10 minutes, I just put the episode back on because I started, I actually started watching a thing on YouTube, like a recap. And it was like, no, 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 no. I can't do it like this. So like, I just turned it off and it's so season two had a really, really good twist. I think as the twist was coming, it was like, I called it. And I think a lot of people probably did. So if you haven't watched it and you get to season two at the end there, what you're thinking is going to happen, what you're probably thinking is going to happen is going to happen. So it was pretty sweet. But yeah, season three so far, uh, I, you know, I was kind of pissed off with Kendall being like zombie Kendall in all of season two. He's a little more alive now. And I don't think I like it because I just don't think I like this character at all because he's just too I don't know. Uh, another thing Elf brought up to me from season two, uh, the part where he raps, which was so out of left field for this character because he's just so like no nonsense. And it's like, I don't know. I mean, like they may have shown like a couple times where he was like exercising or something. Maybe he was like listening to hip hop or, or whatever, but you have no, they gave you no clue or any semblance of this guy being a fan of that kind of music. And then he starts rapping and it is pretty cringy, but it's like competent and he does a good job, like the actor and I guess the character as well. But anyway, the other, the other thing I just wanted to talk about real quick with succession was, so we, we had a family party last weekend, which was great. I got to see a lot of my, um, my cousins that I haven't seen in a long time. So I was talking with my dad. I'm just like, so do you watch that show succession? And the face he gave me was just so funny. And if you know my dad, I think you'll get it where it's like, he imagines someone like kind of turning to you and like pulling their glasses off. Like they're really giving you their attention. And he just turns to me and he goes, I hate you. No, I hate you. No, I hate you. And I just started dying because it was so funny because I've talked about that on the show about how that's exactly how this show is. It's like, hey, fuck you. No, fuck you, man. Hey, buddy, fuck you. It's just like, you know, Terrence and Philip. But just the fact that he said the same exact thing, it's just like children literally like, no, you, no, you suck. No, you're a piece of shit. So uh, I just thought that was funny. But yeah, that's that's really all I have to talk about uh, for filler. So uh, let's get to a quick promo, and then we will get into Season 3, Episode 1, Go Big or Go Home. You've heard others, but nothing could prepare you for the shameful stupidity that is the Jock and Nerd Podcast. Here, Imran. So if you offend everyone at once, it all it's a wash. I've covered everybody. Anthony. 
Sorry, I was texting. Say that again. And Rug Boy. Yeah, whenever there's a snowstorm, my slack hole tightens up. As they talk over one another. Just exactly uh, the same as, was as, as Terminator. We're talking over each other. It's fine. Sorry. Swear. I had boobies. And ask you for money. Just give us the money. The Jock and Nerd Podcast. It can't be silly, goofy fun. Uh, Jock and Nerd. Okay, welcome back. Let's get into season three episode one go big or go home all right so last week we had a little bit of a recap from season two so giving you guys a week to kind of stew on your thoughts about that watch this episode we're going to get right into it uh this episode is directed by dean holland and it was written by alan yang alan yang of course being chang the bass player from mouse rat on the show for your uh, for your cold open for the first time in the series we get a previously on parks and rec where they quickly break down the characters a little bit and then they talk about last season's finale which was the pawnee government shutdown if you'll remember so now we are in the episode we start off with leslie getting the team back together as the shutdown has finally ended First, we see Ron at one of his cabins chopping wood, less than enthusiastic about going back to work. Just want to stop there real quick. This is kind of confusing to me because Ron does not share his address with everyone. We will see at the beginning of season four, actually, which come to think of it, starts off with Leslie going back to find, or at least uh, maybe it's episode two of season four when Ron goes into hiding because Tammy one comes back, but Leslie knows where to find him. So maybe this is the one cabin that only she knows about. Cause we do know that Ron has multiple cabins. He said it many times. However, he is very, very, you know, he doesn't want people to know where he lives. So it's kind of weird that Leslie knows exactly where to go. Next up, we see Tom who, uh, and this is another one I have to think about, but he's working at either Lady Foot Locker or, you know, regular Foot Locker. And the only reason I mentioned that it could be Lady Foot Locker, because when you see those, he has, you know, the typical striped uh, referee jersey on, which is like the uniform for uh, Foot Locker. Also, it's uh, <laughs> the uniform that I used to wear when I worked at a video arcade uh, almost 20 years ago. But anyway, so the reason I say Lady Foot Locker is because it may have already happened. I don't remember. I think it did. But John Ralphio was in the parks department and he was he was there for Tom, obviously. But when they were done talking, he looked over at April and he was like, what's up? He said something like, you want to come home with me? And she just goes, don't you work at Lady Foot Locker? So, um, so that's why I bring up Lady Foot Locker. Also, Tom is helping a woman out. I mean, not saying that women don't shop at regular Foot Locker, but I think that maybe John Ralphio got Tom the job there. I did try to zoom in on his tag and it was just too blurry. I couldn't see if it said Lady Foot Locker or even Foot Locker, but I'm led to believe that's where he was. Okay. Uh, so yeah, Tom is actually pretty happy to go back because he doesn't have to do this shit anymore. So Next up, we see Donna, who is now working at Kernston's Rup, uh, Rupper, uh, Rubber Nipples, which we heard about in uh, the episode Sister City. And that's when Leslie was trying to give a bag of these giant rubber nipples to Raul. And of course, he was condescending and really like just rude about it. Uh, we'll meet Martin Kernston next season. He's the, he's the guy that uh, he looks like Lil Sebastian. He has the same exact haircut. It's just terrible the worst haircut ever and uh however he cuts his own hair so i wonder if he also cuts little sebastian's hair uh donna is also happy to go back 
Then we see Jerry, and of course, this is how things go for Jerry. Jerry is not even working a new job. Jerry looks like he's just retired, or at least he's in a spot where he could retire if it's like, okay, if this shutdown goes any longer, I'm good. But he is sitting by a beautiful lake, you know, like lake or a pond, whatever. It depends on what you, how you classify them. I consider really small ones, like if it's not a lake that like expands through states, I call it a pond. But anyway, so he's in a, a, there's like a beautiful backwoods lot. Like it looks like a Bob Ross painting. And Jerry is actually, he's just sitting. He's got a stool. He's got a beautiful easel. And he's, he is essentially painting a Bob Ross picture. It looks wonderful. However, Leslie gets out of the car. Jerry's excited to see her for a second until she goes, Jerry, we're back. The nightmare's over. You won't need this anymore. And she just grabs the painting and frisbees it into the water. And you just see him like with his hands on his head. It's just like, oh my God. I mean, like it was a beautiful painting too. But Leslie thinks that Jerry's miserable doing this, that he would rather be back at work. So then uh, uh, we get the great shot of everyone driving. Uh, Tom is sandwiched in the back in between Donna and Jerry. Obviously, they're both bigger, <laughs> larger people. Uh, Leslie and Ron are sitting up front. And Tom is the middle, just completely smushed. And he just goes, I called shotgun. Everyone heard me. <laughs> so it's uh, one of the better cold opens. I like this one. However, the one thing, like the, the way that this all played out looked really good, but like, why can't Leslie just email these people or call them and say, Hey, come to work on Monday. You know what I mean? Like she, she really, I do like though, like what I like to think is that they're all still in touch. They've all still been in touch very closely during this shutdown. So Leslie is able to keep tabs on what everyone's doing and where they are. And I guess it makes sense because knowing Leslie, she would want it to be way more dramatic instead of just calling and saying, hey, we're back. She has to go recruit the team. So great cold open. So we start off the episode with Leslie and Ron giving everyone their welcome back speech. Leslie says that they're on a shoestring budget. And that's a tough one to say. Shoestring, shoestring, shoestring budget. And uh, that most of the park services have been slashed. So we cut over to Andy at the shoeshine stand. April. Hey, it's me, Andy Dwyer. Uh, this is like the 200th message I've left you without a response. So... If you're trying to tell me something, I do not know what it is because you won't call me back. One of my favorite Andy lines. Uh, also, you can see over his shoulder, there is now the summer catalog uh, picture. If you remember from that episode, which was five or six ago, it ended up where the summer catalog front cover photo was Andy in April. He now has that frame that it's hanging on the shoe shines, uh, you know, just the stand wall. So just a nice little Easter egg there. We're back at the parks department where Chris and Ben are now here to welcome everyone back. But then Ben gets to deliver some bad news as he's really the only thing like that. That's pretty much what he gets stuck doing all the time. They talked about that. Chris always comes in, gets everyone all hyped up cheery. And then he walks away and Ben's just, he does, he's like, he watches Chris walk out and he's just like, okay, well, I guess I get to give the, the good news. So he tells them that really the only thing that the parks department can do right now is like literally focus on park maintenance. It's like, hey, you guys, if you, if you have the means, you can go fix a swing. If you, you know, like basically things that we can't really spend money on. So if it's things that can be fixed or like maybe if we, if we can paint something, something like small things like that. So 
Uh, Ben also tells everyone that he has reinstated the youth basketball league. And I love that he has to say that in Indiana, if you don't have youth basketball, people call you things. And he's like, he's like, yeah, people start calling you really stupid names. And he's like, like, especially like turd boy. Why would anyone call you turd boy? He's so upset. But also I just, I always think of like the Indiana Hoosiers and like how popular that movie is. And it just does seem like there's, you know, like just a basketball culture in like small town, Indiana. So uh, I love that. Uh, he also tells us that, well, he doesn't tell us actually, Leslie is looking at the sheets that he handed to everyone. And she's like, it says here that there's only enough in the budget for two teams. And he's like, yeah, and they're going to develop a great rivalry, which it's, I don't know. I don't think it's like one of the funniest lines, but I think the way he delivers it is so funny because it's him basically telling Leslie, I don't know what the hell you want me to do. You know, it's like, this isn't my call. Again, this is your government's fault. So again, it's like a shoot the messenger thing. Ben is literally just like, we're giving you basketball. Isn't that good enough? It's like, I'm sorry we can't have 10 teams, but here you go. Here's two. All right, so we jump over to the Pawnee Rec Center where Ron is holding his team's first practice. He has like a very, a very uh, I don't want to say like militaristic way, but he runs his team like he's a drill sergeant. So it's a really cool like montage scene of like, you know, he's walking down the middle as the kids are tossing the basketballs and making sure that none of the balls are going to hit him as he's walking through. So it's really cool. And of course, he's got his Bobby Knight outfit on. So he's got like the khaki pants and he has the red sweater with like, you know, the um the the, the uh button up shirt kind of underneath with uh, the collars coming out you know over the red so it's pretty hilarious and he's like during his voiceover it's so funny he's telling these little kids he's like you will grow from men into gladiators and then from gladiators into swansons so that's always been one of my favorite things that ron swanson is so badass that he feels being a swanson is better than being a gladiator like think of the movie 300 all those guys all those shirtless buff dudes those 300 guys that take on like an army of 10,000. imagine 300 ron swansons instead or just swansons in general fighting those guys and just kicking their asses so that would be pretty badass so then we are introduced to not a character, but one of the greatest things in Parks and Rec lore, and that is the Swanson Pyramid of Greatness. Now, this, <laughs> this is literally a picture that Ron has created. I don't know. Now, so, all right, I'm bumbling a lot here. So let's break down the Pyramid of Greatness. Like, even though I said, all right, I'm not going to talk about the categories on here. I just want to talk about the concept of this pyramid. So Ron has clearly had this thing made into a professional poster board that he puts on an easel, a lot of easels in this episode, puts on there and he can show to these kids, he can use it as a diagram. So what the pyramid of greatness is, is literally think of, just draw a pyramid and then make a box. One is the top, next one, two, next one, three, next one, four. So it's like bowling pins. It's just, you keep adding one every time down. And in every one of these boxes is something that Ron has written so like a model or like a code that he lives by. And then maybe a little description about it. Some of them have nothing. Some might just say so, like, there's one that I love that just says romantic love. Cause you know, Ron Swanson, like if he is, if he's going to, oh, which I, might be a little contradictory because he did have sex with uh, Andy's professor later on. He does. And it's kind of meaningless, but anyway, so 
I'm not going to go over all of them. There is an episode, Citizens of Pawnee, you might have to like scroll back down. It's probably like 30 episodes back where I do cover in depth the Swanson Pyramid of Greatness. Or you can just watch this episode or you can go on Instagram and I'll just post a picture when I post, uh, you know, well, when I post about this episode. But anyway, what I love about this is that Ron has his face plastered on both sides of this thing. So that's why I wonder, is this the Swanson Pyramid of Greatness or is this the Ron Swanson Pyramid of Greatness? Did he come up with this? Or is this because we know the Swansons, like they they make, uh, what was it? It was like vodka or whatever that moonshine was that they made, I guess moonshine, I guess, that like they used to remove warts and like kill snails or whatever the, whatever the hell it was for. So we know the Swansons, like they're, and also like whatever this fortune that Ron somehow has this gold, we know that his kin and his ilk are somehow like important, powerful people, but did they come up with the pyramid of greatness or did he do it? So it's just another awesome thing up there, like in parks rec lore with like treat yourself and like Galentine's day and all that fun stuff. So we're over, uh, we're back at City Hall, and we get a really good line here where Leslie actually, uh, she's telling Anne that she put in a request to buy fertilizer for a park, and that was denied. And she's like, we literally can't buy boop. <laughs> so it's great. Uh, Leslie reminisces about some of the festivals that Pawnee used to throw, including the Harvest Festival. Uh, more on that later. Uh, so just then, Ben and Chris show up. They come walking around the hallway, and Chris asks Anne if he can talk to her privately while Leslie and Ben have an awkward encounter. Outside, which is where uh, Anne and Chris went, a very persistent Chris asked Anne out again, saying that she kissed him with tongue at April's party. Uh, that was, you know, obviously the, the finale from last season or the second to last one. No. Yeah, second to last one. I think the penultimate. Um, Anne turns him down again. And she does note, though, that how, how hot he is when she's talking to Leslie. Leslie says that she has an idea. So this is after they're done talking. Obviously, Anne and Leslie are, are back to talking again. And Leslie's just like, I've got a great idea. She's like, how comfortable are you with doing things that a prostitute does? And Anne just like makes this weird face like, excuse me. And Leslie's like, minus the money and then Anne just goes oh definitely i'm in then it's just, it's such a great response by rashida jones great acting all right so now we're back to the pawnee rec center we see the two pawnee basketball teams again we've only seen ron so far we see that again he is coaching one team they're a uh, very drill sergeant or at least that's how he's running the team these guys are actually like doing push-ups and everything going crazy like that and the other one is coached by andy dwyer so you can guess What's going on on the other half of the court where his team is literally running around. They're like playing almost capture the flag with the basketball. And he's like, here, go get this. And he's just drop kicking the ball like off into wherever. And like three kids go running after it. And it's just like, it's, it's so funny because you think of the movie Ladybugs. If anyone who's my age would remember that movie. It's an old uh, movie where a boy uh, joins a girl's soccer, soccer team and they kind of put him undercover. But that's what it reminds me of, like, because the team in that, when they're playing a team that is very, like, ah, like the, with the drill starts, and then you look over at this team, and they're, like, playing with butterflies and stuff. So it's actually really funny when, uh, to show even more of this, Ron's team puts his hands in, and they all yell out, one, two, three, carnage! And then you see Andy's team, they do the same thing, but it's one, two, three, mouse rat! <laughs> Love the priorities here. So uh, I guess because this is, like... I, I, I guess, you know what, I guess he didn't state it 100%, but I guess since Ben 
reinstated the Pawnee basketball thing. He like put it on the parks department. So it makes zero sense to me that Tom is the official for this game. And uh, we find out that Tom knows absolutely nothing about basketball, which I like that because it's consistent to uh, way down in either uh, season five or six. I can't remember, but well, it's when he has rent to swag. So that's season five, six, I think. But uh, he asked Ben and Andy at that point to teach him how to play basketball. So I, I like the consistency that he still doesn't know anything about basketball. Uh, also, he makes a comment how he's wearing women's sneakers and he's just because Ron asks if he's wearing women's sneakers and he looks down and he's just like, yeah, I got them for discount. Da, da, da. Again, makes me think he was working at Lady Foot Locker. And he's like, the best part about it, nobody can tell. Even though the reason they're talking about this is because Ron could tell and asked him about them. So to even further Tom's ignorance towards the sport, he starts off grabbing the ball and he just blows the whistle and rolls the ball out into the middle where all the kids just go scrambling for it. Speaking of which, um, Mike, maybe you can help me on this one. The XFL, do they still do that? The XFL, uh, to anyone unfamiliar, is um, it's not the NFL, but it is another professional, I guess, football league in the United States. It's called XFL, which is the Extreme Football League. It was created by Vince McMahon, who is the owner or like the create, like the top dog at WWE. As far as I know, unless he sold it or something, but he's like the biggest name in wrestling uh, of all time. But anyway, so in the XFL, they tried doing a lot of like quirky stuff that would like maybe like reinvent the game or whatever. So one of the stupid things was they just put the ball down and instead of doing a coin flip to see who gets the ball, it was like, all right, get your fastest guy, we'll get ours. And they're both just going to run as fast as they can and both lunge at this football, possibly hurting themselves, destroying their arms, their fingers, whatever they're diving with. It's just a completely stupid way to start off a football game. But anyway, that's how Tom does it. But yeah, I don't know if they still do it like that or not. So we are over at Ann's house where Leslie is kind of coaching Ann because like we didn't know exactly what Leslie had in mind when she brought up the prostitution thing earlier. So uh, she does kind of mention it again. And uh, you realize that Leslie's only like kind of kidding, which is a little weird. But uh, the plan is for Ann to basically just take Chris out, you know, go out on a date with him and take him up on his offer finally and just sweet talk him for Leslie and get him to kind of raise the park's budget. So they decide that they're going to role play a little bit. Anne as Chris and Leslie as Anne. Anne Perkins, you are wonderful and amazing, and I'm happy to be here with you. Thank you, Chris. I'm wearing a tuxedo vest with no shirt on underneath. Uh-oh. Can I get you a drink? I love every single beverage in the world. I would like some wine. And oops, my vest popped open. Just like the budget needs to pop open, and you need to pour it into my parks department great so we jump right into uh chris and ann's dinner he is very surprised that she changed her mind so quickly and he tells us in a talking head about how much he loves first dates and that he's never had a bad first date so ann asks him a question why are you so positive all the time which this is i love this part because she's like i have a question for you and he stops her and he's just like is it because, is it like, why am I, why am I so positive all the time? And she's like, yes, that's exactly what it is. So they're going to tell us right off the bat. And anyone that doesn't know Parks and Rec that just kind of knows the character of Chris Traeger doesn't know that he was born with a blood disorder. He tells her this, and it's a very serious, very good scene. 
that's not funny. There's no comedy here. It is just good acting in a comedic show where he is telling us that when he was born, he had a, a rare blood disorder and he was given only three weeks to live. That's what his parents were told. So he is still here 40 plus years later and he is still kicking ass and he's in wonderful shape. So this also explains why he's such a health nut because again, he was supposed to die when he was three weeks old, uh, 40 some years older. He's still going and that's why he lives every day like it is the greatest. And it's just a shame that not all of us could be like that, you know, but it's such a it's a wonderful scene. And I just love that they get that reveal out of the way right away. Why he's so optimistic and positive about everything. So we cut away and Anne is on a phone call with Leslie and Leslie's just kind of like, well, did you do this? Did you do this? And Anne's feeling kind of now like she doesn't really want to do this because she's having a good time with Chris. She's kind of starting to like him. And she's like, Leslie, you know what? Like, if you have all these great ideas, why don't you just do it? And then Leslie literally pops out from the side and she's like, fine, I will. And she's on her phone and Anne's literally like, Gee, you know, like, what the hell? Like, she didn't know that Leslie was right there. So, um, Leslie comes over and it's like one of those where Chris is like, oh my God, Leslie, nope. You know, he's like, yeah, come on, join us. This is so great. But then Ben comes walking up and he's just like, wow, how, how convenient that Leslie just happens to show up on your date. And it's like, dude, how convenient is it that you just happen to show up on the date? So it's like, we know now, you know, and you find out that Ben thought something was up probably we, we found probably heard saw this like or it, not saw this it was off camera i'm guessing where chris told ben hey you know ann perkins did decide to go on that date with me so maybe ben was thinking it's like wait a minute why did she change her mind i wonder if leslie is up to something which she was so it's even weirder though that ben has been following leslie who's been following chris and ann so it is just kind of bizarre that he comes out of nowhere like that so yeah, he just he thought something was up and he's like, you know what, I'm, I'm just going to follow Leslie, I guess. So I have no idea what he was doing in the meantime. Like he must have been yeah, tailing her, sitting a few cars back, whatever it was. So they all end up having dinner together. And uh, Chris is still clueless about Leslie and Ann's plan. So at this point, it's just like, OK, we're just having you know a double date. We go back to the basketball game where Ron's team is just like kicking Andy's team's ass. You know, they're just obviously they're playing much better. Uh, and then all of a sudden Tom's ex, Wendy, shows up. So this is just clearly like this goes back to the end, you know, that stinger we got at the end of season two where it showed Ron with, you know, the 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 Bobby Knight hoodie on, you know, the, or the, I'm sorry, not Bob, not Bobby Knight, similar colors though. The Tiger Woods one, whenever Ron gets laid, he wears the, like the, the, well, the black khakis with the Tiger Woods shirt. We saw Wendy come in and it was a good ending with Tom being like, that's my ex-wife and him knowing that Ron just had sex. So Tom, you know, even though like Lucy is right next to him again, Lucy being his girlfriend who we met last season, she is right there and Tom is still just like, he can't get over this. I think it's more of a pride thing because we found out that Tom was really only into Wendy because she's beautiful and because she's got a lot of money and she's very successful, but he just starts like, you know, it's, I don't know. It's, it's really weird. Like how, how pissed off he's getting about this. So back to the double date. Uh, they finish up and they decide that they're going to go out for drinks. So this is very confusing to me because these four straight people go to the bulge. 
The Bulge, uh, remember being the gay bar from episode one of season two, uh, Pawnee Zoo, where Leslie becomes like this hero because she inadvertently married two gay penguins together. Uh, she did the officiating. Again, she didn't marry them. <laughs> she officiated the wedding between two gay, gay uh, penguins. So who suggested this in this group? Ben and uh, uh, Chris clearly don't know this bar because they're new to town. This just makes absolutely no sense, but it, it's, I don't know. It, it does. Yeah, it's weird, but it's cool to see the bulge again, I guess. We are back at the basketball game. Ron's team is still kicking the crap out of Andy's. And this is like, it's it's irrelevant for the story, but I just, I have to point it out because it's just another funny name in the Parks and Rec world where you see a kid, he he gets a nice lamp and he's running back and Ron stands up and he's just like, that's the way to shoot the ball, Chignoli. I, I don't need to, it can't be just like Smith or Johnson or something like that. Chignoli. I love it. So uh, Tom, being the insecure man he is, he sees Wendy uh, kind of cuddling with Ron, like she's like hugging him, you know, just kind of congratulating him like, hey, you're doing a great job. You know, your team's doing well. So then Tom just starts calling like a bunch of bogus falls on Team Swanson. And at this point, Ron's just kind of like, wait, what? You know, and, and Tom's making stupid things. And Ron's even like, huh? Like, it's funny the way he responds at first, because it's almost like he's thinking he's like, are these real rules? Like, I don't maybe they are. I don't know. But uh, we're back at the bulge. Uh, Chris is getting tons of attention from all the men, of course, cause he's a beautiful man. Uh, and Anne actually tells us that she's kind of starting to like him too. So Ben and Leslie are sitting together at the bar and she keeps asking why he's trying so hard to keep her from getting the money for her department. And this is when we find out about another, and it's like two in the same episode. I love it. We got the Swanson pyramid of greatness and we get, uh, ice town, which is, when Ben was uh, elected mayor of his town, Partridge, uh, Minnesota, which we will get an episode down the road where Ben will go ahead and revisit. It's got J.K. Simmons in it. Spoiler teaser. He's so good. But anyway, Ben, when he was 18 years old, he basically bankrupt the entire town because he sunk all of their money into like a winter sports complex called Ice Town. And... You hear a lot about this, especially next season when Leslie is running for city council, because there's a lot of obviously like all the muckraking and all the mudslinging and all that stuff. They keep bringing up. It's like, well, why is Ben Wyatt Leslie Nope's campaign manager when he bankrupt his entire town? And you'll find and I'll, I'll I'll mention it again when it gets to it. But like, actually, no, I don't think he said it yet, but he talks about how he um, after he was impeached, his parents grounded him. It was so funny. But the funniest part I feel about this whole story is when he tells Leslie the newspaper headline, which was Ice Town costs Ice Clown his town crown. <laughs> it's so funny to me, like the alliteration. I guess that's not alliteration, but just like uh, the tongue twister mentality that the writers of this show have. It's so good. I mean, like Leslie, she works for wheels for meals on wheels. I mean, it's just, it's brilliant. And like, just how Michael Shore, like he, again, another episode I did a while back, I, I think it was the Lurpus episode where I talked about Michael Shore's, actually I'm positive about that one, where Michael Shore listed his top 10 favorite character names from the show. It's just so funny to me. Like, and again, like, the, the Chignoli thing. And then just like all this, the stupid the tongue twister type things about the show. It's so wonderful. Back to the rec center. Tom continues to make bogus calls against Ron's team and even ejects all of his players 
and Ron and Wendy as well. So finally, Ron has had it. He grabs a chair and chucks it across the court like his hero, Bobby Knight. So again, Bobby, you know, Ron's also wearing the brown khakis and the red sweater, exactly like Bobby Knight. And this is so funny because he ch- it's like one of those lawn chairs, not the, not the ones that fold up, but you know those plastic white ones that everyone has. It's just one mold, just a basic chair. You can either put cushions on it or not. Like my, my parents have had them. Everyone's had them before, but he just grabs it. He's does the sidearm chuck just like Bobby Knight. So it's so funny because he's doing this at a a kid's basketball game. We will get another night, uh, Bobby Knight reference in the season six finale at the unity concert when the band Bobby Night Ranger performs, which is great because they're all wearing the uh, the same out or the outfits. Again, more fun wordplay there. Parks and Rec writers, you're awesome, Bobby Night Ranger. But yeah, when they're done playing and they play the song "Motoring," I think Andy comes out. And he's like, "Wow, uh, it's amazing that you can play the same song over and over for a full hour or something like that." I forgot what he says, but like basically the only band this, the only song that this cover band sings is um, "Sister Christian," and it's just hilarious. But that when they're done, they just like they have chairs on stage and they're just like they're older people, so they're like, uh, and they just kind of like bud. If you can hear that, that's the chair next to me. I'm just budging it with my hand. Like, eh, that's kind of all they do. So it's really funny. So you know what that means? If if Ron's team is uh, disqualified, Andy's wins by forfeit. So he's, uh, yeah, yeah. He's like in, in all these kids' faces, like Ron's team as they're walking off to the court. And like his team's celebrating. And he's pouring Gatorade all over himself. But... And it's funny because uh, besides that one scene in the very beginning, we haven't heard about this character in this episode, and that's April. Where the hell is April? He dedicates the victory to April Ludgate, and then he tells us uh, that the victory is sweet. It's also very sticky because, again, he poured juice, you know, fruit juice coolers all over himself. I guess I said Gatorade, but Gatorade is still sticky, right? I guess I've never been doused with Gatorade. That's not leaving this open to any of you son of bitches, sons of bitches, uh, saying that you can come up to me and douse me in Gatorade. But um, let me know if you've ever been doused in Gatorade. Is it sticky? I would assume so. But, you know, it's like mostly watered down uh, thirst quencher. Hmm. So now we're back at the bulge and Leslie is making her pitch to Chris. She's, they're just kind of sitting down and she's talking about how they need this and they need this. And Chris says, you know what, maybe it's just because I'm having a really good time, but I'll strongly consider it. He gets suspicious, though, right after Leslie says, "Ah, okay, great. Mission accomplished. So I have never liked this scene because the mere fact that Leslie says mission accomplished and all of a sudden Chris is like, what does that mean? And Ben goes, "Uh oh, like all of a sudden, like the jig is up. Couldn't Leslie have just been like, oh, well, I mean, like we're talking right now and you said you were going to help us out, you know, mission accomplished, like leave it at that. Why does it have to turn into, and this is what happens, Leslie going, oh, um, well, uh, uh, you know, like Anne, Anne and I had this idea and Anne gives her a dirty look and she's like, well, it was more my idea that, um, you know, Anne would, go, she literally tells him everything that they just did. Like basically, Anne didn't want to go on a date with you. She used you just to uh, get on your good side. So this guy, so she tells Chris this just in like kind of nicer words as Anne is watching her the whole time. Like, are you fucking seriously doing this right now? So I just don't like this scene because why didn't Leslie could have literally said anything 
to get out of this. Like this wasn't a situation where she was caught like with her pants down. Literally when, when you say mission accomplished and he says, what does that mean? You just say, Oh, well, I mean like that, that, that you're listening to what I have to say. That's all she had to say. So I think it's really stupid that he's like, it turns into this whole thing where Leslie had to out with her, her huge evil devious plan just seemed really stupid to me. But anyway, um, yeah, Chris is kind of pissed off and he's just like, wow, he's like, I've actually had my first bad date. So he leaves Anne's kind of pissed off at Leslie. And then uh, Ben actually just has to throw a nice jab in there. I forgot exactly what he says to Leslie. It's something kind of like, uh, yeah, well, you fucking lost this time. And he just says it and then he leaves and it's, it's, a, it's a nice pot shot. I like it. So speaking of April, we're back at City Hall, Andy and... All of us as well, for the first time this episode and the first time in season three, we see April again. Andy is so excited to see her. He's actually in the middle of giving a shoe shine and he sees her, you know, through like the courtyard windows. He just stops what he's and he literally gets up and runs over to her. It's such an awesome scene. Like, you know, like the scenes you see of like military family being reunited, like when the dad comes home and the family didn't know about it. It's like that's how or the ones where like the the people they'll put a um got one of those GoPros on the back of a dog and they just let it run. And you can see like, it's, it's amazing. Like when they're running to like their owner or whatever. So this is what Andy is doing because he is so excited to see April. And it's just like, it's, it's really cute. So he runs up to her and he's just kind of like April, like, well, you know, like what the hell? He's like, I've been calling you. I've been texting you. Like, why haven't you, you know, been writing back to me? She tells him that she's been in Venezuela. So she plays like really dumb about the whole thing, like with Anne kissing him, you know, like he brings it up and she's like, oh, I wouldn't even worry about that. And to make things even worse, she introduces Andy to her new boyfriend, Eduardo. Oh, my God. So he is played by Carlo Mendez. Uh, he's just going to be in one other episode, but he is pretty funny. He doesn't speak English, but like you, he, he speaks a little bit of English, I guess. Like, so it's like him trying to, you know, like us when we try to speak Spanish, like we know words and we'll say them in Spanish. So it's like, thank you for replying in that. But I can tell you can't really tell me much else. So uh, yeah, this he doesn't have like a big role. He's basically just there. I want to know about this guy though. Like what is his story? So I'm going to stop again. Is this guy actually from Venezuela? Seems legit because again, he doesn't speak English, but April could have grabbed any guy and just been like, Okay, this is my new story. Did April go back to Venezuela? She went to Venezuela in season two with Donna. So maybe we don't know. But if this dude is from Venezuela, where the hell is he staying? Is he staying at April's house? Like, is this it, it totally seems to me like this is something that April would do. Like she would like set up this whole ruse just for it to be all bullshit or whatever. But like, this guy has got to be staying somewhere. Is he staying in her home? I could see this happening. May, not, not them having sex. Maybe they are. I don't know. But I could see April's parents just being like, sure, Zuzu, you can have whoever you want over. Just be safe or whatever like that. You know, her, her, her mom and dad. So I don't know if that's the case, but I, and, and, and I guess he's gone, you know, like, well, I think there's an episode or two in between and we see him again. And then that's pretty much it when April breaks up with him. But yeah. Like, does this guy work? Does he have a job? Who is this guy that is April's boyfriend? I wouldn't care so much if she didn't say I met him in Venezuela. If she said I met him down the street, then it's just like, who cares what this guy's doing? 
I'm more worried about this man's well-being and knowing April when she break, broke up with him or whatever probably didn't give him any insight on how to get back home. So then Anne heads over to Chris's office and she apologizes to him about everything that happened. She's like, hey, you know what? I had a really good time with you. I'm not lying about that. Leslie asked me if I could do her a favor. She's my best friend. So I did it. And he's just Anne Perkins. So he's excited. He accepts her apology and they're cool again. So Andy, who is fresh out of ideas, he runs over to Leslie's office and asks her for advice on what to do about April. And she basically just tells him, screw it, man. Go big or go home. Hey, that's the name of this episode. So then she gets the crew together to go over a big idea that she has. And that idea is reinstating the Pawnee Harvest Festival. So we get an awesome scene where Leslie and the team give this very impassioned speech to Ben and Chris, who are actually sitting down listening to their pitch, saying that the Harvest Festival will draw tons of people. And Leslie just knows this because <laughs> it's awesome how she describes it. Like she says, people used to come like because this thing, they used to do it like back in the 80s. But I think Leslie says it was kind of recent, like they stopped doing it like within the past few years or whatever, just because they didn't have enough money or which is exactly where they're at now. It's just kind of funny. But she's basically telling them we're going to sink all the money we have into this thing. And that if it doesn't work out, we'll all quit. You can completely abolish the parks department, which, you know, it's like a good, it's a good, strong chip for them to hold. However, it's like, well, we can't abolish your department. However, we can't fire all of you. So, you know, that's not going to happen. And Chris and Ben know that's not going to happen. And that's why Ben is just like, all right, I think we can go ahead and do it. You know, he's because Chris, like after they give the speech, like Leslie does such a great job talking about it. And what I was going to say, and I got sidetracked, she talks about how when they used to do it, people from out of town would come to gaze at how fat the people in Pawnee were. And then she's like, and then also while they were in town, they would, you know, come visit the the, the Harvest Festival. And that. so she talks about how successful it will be. And again, she's like, I know people will come. And she's right. We'll see this uh, th later this season. It's a wonderful episode and it's an awesome story arc that will be starting right now. I mean, not right this second, but like, you know, with the next episode moving forward, because that's the end of that episode. However, we do have the tag and April and Eduardo are kind of walking into the office. They go over by April's desk and it's just completely covered in flowers, you know, like Andy bought all this stuff and he just goes, hey, April, I'm just telling you right now, I like you a lot. And then he even says to Eduardo, which Andy did this same shit to to Anne when she was dating Mark and it was completely inappropriate. And I think it's inappropriate here, but Andy, if anything, is the most persistent guy on this show. He even says to Eduardo, hey man, no disrespect, but I, I really like this girl. So April tells Eduardo what Andy said. However, she says he's thinking about becoming a woman. He's thinking about having a sex change. So I think April knew that Eduardo was good because exactly what Eduardo does in the little bit of English he knows, he goes, oh, oh, yes, yes, that's great. You should follow your dreams, you know? So he tells Andy to do this. Why didn't April tell him what Andy actually said? 
Obviously, she wanted him to respond in a way where all he would say to Andy is, yeah, dude, go for it. So Andy just professed his love for April or whatever, told her boyfriend, hey, I'm coming for your girlfriend. And then that guy's response was, hey, man, yeah, go for it. You should follow your dreams. So it's just hilarious. Andy's like, oh, great, man. Thanks. I'll do that. And that's the end of the episode. So on IMDb, this one is sitting at an 8.1. So that's good. Like I kind of said before, I feel like for TV shows, I feel like movies, it's a, it's a much bigger, again, and I use IMDb. How many times can I sidetrack myself? I swear. IMDb is what I use. So I'm more old school. I don't use Rotten Tomatoes. But anyway, for TV shows and TV show episodes, I feel like if, it, if it's like, an eight or better that it's really good. This one is an 8.1 uh, that I'm not saying it's like, Oh, just cause I am DB, but I feel like that's kind of how the standard is because movies, I feel like if your movie's over a six, then it's like, okay, it's watchable. Cause that's one thing for two hours. However, if a TV show puts out a two hour episodes that that's a six, that probably means it sucks. And it's like, yeah, yeah you don't need to watch this one. But anyway, 8.1 for this one. Some of my thoughts, uh, like I said, this is a great start. This is going to bring us into the whole Harvest Festival arc. So from here until I believe it's episode seven, the Harvest Festival episode, you're going to just like it's the show will have fun side stories going on. But the running thing is still going to be uh, the Harvest Festival. The basketball stuff is great. Again, like Ron made the reference in the very first episode of Parks and Rec that Bobby Knight was one of his heroes. And he goes, Bobby Knight. And then I even talked about that it must have been for like licensing reasons or whatever. After like an episode or two or three or whatever it was, Ron all of a sudden did not. It might have been the whole first season, actually, but it's only six episodes. Ron did not have that Bobby Knight poster anymore on his wall. He had a framed picture of just like a brunette woman and breakfast, which are two of his favorite things. Um, Leslie kind of pissed me off in this episode, like I, I just talked about. That whole scene, her screwing over Anne just seemed very like, come on, really? Like just her being selfish, just not thinking about anyone else. Also, I mean, like her screwing over Anne by telling Chris what the plan was, but then also just her putting Anne in that position just wasn't cool, I didn't think. So uh, the cold open was very fun with her getting the team back together. But again, um, do phones and emails not work? So I just thought that was a little fun and kind of ridiculous. All right, so there is a little bit of trivia on here. Let's go over that. So when Leslie tells Anne how to get onto the subject of the park's budget while on her date with Chris, she suggests the example of a favorite movie, Jurassic Park. Parks are so great. Parks department needs more money. Four years later, Chris Pratt, who, who portrays Andy Dwyer, would star in Jurassic World, the sequel to Jurassic Park. Next one. Rob Lowe was 48 at the time of filming, just two years younger than Jim O'Hara, who plays a guy ready to retire. His love interest, played by Rashida Jones, is 12 years his junior. And finally, towards the end of the episode, when Leslie puts up the idea about reviving the Pawnee Harvest Festival, the tune in the background is Chariots of Fire by Vangelis. The same tune was used in The Office when they made a local ad for Dunder Mifflin. So yeah, that... Did they play that during the Olympics episode two, the one where Michael, like when he found out he had to buy that condo and he was all bummed. So they gave him like the gold medal for whatever reason. I don't remember if it was playing there, but yeah, I definitely remember. Yeah. When they made the, the, the ad, the local ad for uh, Dunder Mifflin and Michael's was so good. The funniest part of that was when it's like, and it's like disappointment and it shows Phyllis and she opens up the note. And it's like, you have a son and it's me and it's Dwight she's talking about. So uh, anyway, yeah, check that episode out too. 
But that is going to wrap up this episode. If you'd like to contact the show, citizensofpawnee at gmail.com is how you can do that. You can also like and follow on Instagram at Podcast and at Parks Rec Memes. Next week, I'm going to be covering Season 3, Episode 2, Flu Season. This is one of the best episodes in Parks and Rec. I'm just telling you right now, there's your spoiler. Make sure you watch this episode. This is actually one of the episodes I did review already. However. I'm going to do this one again because this is an awesome episode and I'm excited to watch it again. So thanks again for listening to Citizens of Pawnee, a Parks and Recreation podcast. My name is still Brian and I'll see you next Tuesday. Nick Newport's dog is named Shoelace.